Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, this morning um, I had a, something else planned. Um, I had, we were going to start be starting a brand new series today. And um, this week, um, if you've been on the news or in social media, I'm sure you are aware um, of the tragedy that happened last Sunday where there was a helicopter that crashed and, and killed all the nine people that were on there, including uh, one of the most famous basketball players in history, Kobe Bryant. And uh, there's been so much in the news and social media about this. And um, as I was going throughout my week and God was speaking to me on this whole idea, and um, even in some of my conversations with some of the people in our church and, and that we know going through similar tragedies, um, just yesterday I was with a friend who lost his father and um, just uh, I felt God lead me in a different direction so strongly and so Today, the word that I have for you is this, is what are you living for? What are you living for? And um, I felt like it was something that God directed us to do just because, you know, in light of all the things that are going on, you know, life is fragile. Life is short. And, um, you know, I know when I was last Sunday, we had just finished tearing everything down and packing everything away. And we were at the restaurant for lunch and they had the big TVs there. And all of a sudden, the, the stories start flashing up about Kobe and there was just such an emotional response and I'm sure you've seen it on social media people posting and posting and posting all this stuff and um, you know when you if you've ever been through the loss of a loved one or you've been around someone who has a, it's just it you know it, it invokes such an emotional response out of us and I know this week I've been processing through um, this whole grieving and all this you know life and all this kind of stuff and um, you know, sometimes it's it's easy to feel guilty about having this kind of emotional response to these things. But I believe that it's an opportunity that God wants to kind of wake up his church a little bit, to wake up his people a little bit, because there should be an emotional response for us anytime we hear or see someone that's passing from this life into eternity. The truth is, is that every day, every day, people are passing from this life into eternity. And some are prepared, some know Jesus, but many don't. So it should evoke a response from us. It should move us deeply when people leave this earth and don't know Jesus. Anytime someone leaves this earth, they're stepping into eternity. And the truth is, is that eternity is real. Eternity is forever. And whatever you believe, wherever you're at on all that, Eternity is for everyone. We're all going to have that moment where we pass from this life into the next. And the way that we believe about eternity affects how we live now. It affects how we live now. So many people believe that oh, maybe there's no heaven or hell or there's just all kind of the same. God's not going to send me to hell because of whatever. What, that 
kind of person that believes that is going to live a different way. Well, then it doesn't matter if I do what I want. I can, I can do this, and there's really no consequence or repercussions, and I can say whatever I want. Like someone who believes that, but someone who understands the truth and, and understands the difference between heaven and hell, that hell is not a place God sends people he's mad at. It's a place where people can go who don't believe in Jesus and want to pay for their own sins. You just don't have to. And that heaven is a place for those who have put their faith and their trust in what Jesus did on the cross. So let's be crystal clear, okay? We're not saved by being a good person or doing nice things. We are only, the only way to be saved, to make it to heaven, to go to heaven, is to put, when we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins and was raised to life. We are saved by the grace of God and not by any work that we do. But scripture also tells us that then when we step from this life into the next, the way that we live now affects eternity. So I felt this question was what the Lord was wanting to ask us. What are you living for? What are you living for? Many people live, you know, they live for the job. They live for the promotion. They live to be, to have notoriety, to be a social media influencer, to get 10,000 likes on their posts. Many people live for money or, or, or the, the raise or they live for the beach house or the vacation life or whatever it is. Many others live to help other, someone else. Some live to bring healing to others. Some live to serve. But what about you? What are you living for? What is it that the things that we're living for, what is our life all about because our life on this earth is just a brief moment. We're just passing through. Life is a vapor, and we will have the moment when we leave this earth. And can I just tell you that when your body dies, um, that's not the end of you. Your physical body will die, but your spirit will exist in eternity, either in heaven or separated from God in hell. Your spirit continues on, right, because you are a three-part being. You're a three-part being. You are a spirit. That is the real you. So even if your physical body dies, your spirit lives on. That is the real you. You have a soul. That's your mind, your feelings, your emotions. And you live in a physical body. You're a three-part being. The good news is, is that just because this physical body dies, that's not the end. So if you have put your faith in Jesus, then your spirit is alive. Without Jesus, there's no life in your spirit. Scripture says we are dead in our sins without Christ. So your spirit is dead in sin without Christ. There's, we, we can't be good enough. We can't do enough right things to bring life into our spirit. The only way that life enters into our spirit is when we receive Christ. He, when we receive what he's done for us, we say, Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. I believe that you are the Son of God, that God sent you to this earth, that you died on the cross, and he raised you from the dead. When we believe that and we put our faith in him, what happens is that very life of God comes into your spirit. The love of God is poured out in you. The power of God comes inside of you. Scripture says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And it's, it brings your spirit to life. All things are made new in that moment. You are made. Your spirit comes alive. And so when this physical body dies, your spirit leaves this body and steps into eternity and comes before God. And you either go into heaven or you go uh, into hell in those two directions. And once you leave this life, can I tell you, there's no do-overs. 
What we do in this life affects eternity. So what are you living for? Ask your neighbor, say, what are you living for? Uh, it's been so interesting uh, watching on social media this week people's responses with Kobe uh, passing. I don't know if you've seen it. It's just so many people buying jerseys and hats and posting pictures, posting memories, uh, even seeing all the people, you know, out around the basketball stadium, you know, leaving uh, pillows and stuffed animals and candles and all kinds of stuff. People leaving basketballs on their porch and uh, all kinds of things to remember Kobe. And um, one of the things I was amazed at, you know, is that this guy, Kobe, most of us probably don't know him, never met him. Maybe you're not even a Lakers fan. Maybe you're not even a basketball fan. But I was so amazed that in our country, that's so often divided by hate and by our differences, that in a moment, one man's life was able to bring people together. And when we leave this place, what will be said of us? Are we living as those who are unifying people or are we dividing people, pulling people apart? Are we living as those who speak blessing and life over people? Are we those who just spout off and say whatever pops into our head and cursing? Are we those that are raising up those coming behind us, raising up the next generation? Or are we those that want to keep the spotlight just on us? How are we living? What are you living for? What is your life really all about? You know, um, as I was processing through all this stuff, all this tragedy this week, the Holy Spirit reminded me, he said, the Bible is true. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he, he directed me, you know, to a couple of places, Proverbs 27 and James 4. And he says, it says, you are not promised tomorrow. This life, you're here. And at one moment you're here and one moment you're gone. Life is short. Life is a vapor. It appears for just a brief moment. And then it, it, as quickly as it came, it goes away. Life is so short. And maybe you're thinking, wow, pastor, this is so discouraging. And can I just tell you, it's only discouraging if all of your hope, all of your investment, all of your life, all of your accomplishments and all your treasure is only on this earth. But we as believers, we understand we have hope that's different than people who just can only see this earth. We have hope that is eternal. We have hope in Christ because we know that one day when we leave this place, we will be together with our Savior. We will be with the Lord forever. And that's, that's far greater than anything we could do in this place. And so I want to give us some hope today from the Word of God. Is that okay? Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I would encourage you, bring your Bible with you to church. Um, if, you, you know, if you don't have a paper Bible, that's okay. You, if that's a desire, you want one, uh, let us know. We'd love to help you find one. Um, maybe you've got a smartphone. You can download the free YouVersion Bible app. Have that on there. It'll read to you. Um, it, it's great. Either one of those is great. But bring the Bible with you. Have it with you at all times. Here is 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, the Apostle Paul He's writing to the church uh, in a city called Corinth. That's why it's called the Cor uh, Corinthians, because that's what the people were called in Corinth. They were Corinthians. And here he's writing to the church. These are followers of Jesus. And he's given them, uh, he's teaching them about what happens in this moment when we die, when our physical bodies die, so that we don't have to fear death. Too many people are scared of death. They're scared of this whole idea of death. But what we have to understand is that um, as Christians, as believers in Christ, 
Death has no authority, no say, no right over us. Death has no place. Death can only take this body. It cannot affect our spirits, right? So uh, Jesus said, uh, he said, I have conquered death, hell, and the grave. I hold the keys to those things, and I give you the authority. So when our faith is in Christ, we now have the authority. So without Christ and our spirit is dead in sin, death rules and reigns over our spirit. Death has legal authority over our spirit. But once the life of God came into us, death lost its grip. Death lost its authority. It has no legal standing before God over our spirit. But so many people continue to live with this fear of death and, and it, they allow it to drive them and their thinking and everything and it affects the course of their life. But death has no authority over you. And Paul is writing to give us a different perspective uh, on this. He's teaching us hope in this. So verse 1, he says, he says, For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, the earthly tent is our, is our body. And in other words, he's saying when this body dies and we leave this earth, we have a building from God. One translation says we have a, a, a body, we'll have a heavenly body, but a, a building from God, an, an eternal house in heaven or a dwelling not built by human hands. So meanwhile, while we're in these earthly bodies, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So in other words, you're not going to just be like a spirit roaming around in the sky, floating around on the clouds. You're not going to be a naked baby angel playing the harp. You know what I'm saying? Like you have a heavenly body. When you step out of this place, you have a heavenly body, a dwelling place that God has designed for you. But he says, while we're in this tent, while we're in this body, we groan. We are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So what he's saying is that he's not saying we're not celebrating death. We're not saying I'm just going to take myself out. I'd rather just be in heaven. No, no. What he's saying is that there's, there's a tension there for people who follow Jesus, that we, we want to live this life. We want to live all our days that God has given us. But at the same time, we have this, this strong desire in us to be with our Lord, to be in heaven. And so there's this, this tension that exists in this place. We, we, we don't want to leave this place. We want to be with our family. We want to live our life. But, but there's a, ah, oh God, I want to see your face. I want to be with you forever. I want to be in that place. So there's this tension that he's describing here. But he gives us something in the next verse to help us with the tension. He says, now, the one who fashioned us for these very purposes is God. So God created you for the purpose of being with him, of being in his presence. He created you for that purpose. And look what he did. He said, God has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I don't, I don't think, I got a few people in the front row who heard what I said. He said he's given you his Holy Spirit as a deposit to guarantee what is to come. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is given to us as believers to remind us to guarantee of what God's word so that there's assurance in the promise of God. So when the Holy Spirit is, that's why I'm, I'm so surprised that so many believers don't want the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not a weird thing. He's not some like floating no no 
the Holy Spirit was given to us by God to remind us as a deposit to guarantee that we would have hope in the promises of God. That what God said is true and the Holy Spirit is there to confirm that in us. So it's no wonder to me that believers who don't have the Holy Spirit, they're just, oh, I'm wishing, I'm hoping, I'm praying, but I'm just not sure we'll get the Holy Spirit. Because when you have, when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to try to conjure up some belief. I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. No, the Holy Spirit is, is that assurance. He is confirming God's word in me. So it's easy to believe God's word said it was true. I don't have to see the outcome because I have, I have the Holy Spirit to assure me what God said will come to pass. What did, what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do in our lives? He said he will speak to us the words that he hears from the Father, and he would remind us what the word says. So here we see this happening again. He's reminding us, hey, what God's word says is true. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider. He's going to take care of you. He's your protector. He is your healer. Like, so there's, there's assurance. There's rest in me because this is the working of the Holy Spirit. In my, that's so good. I'm going to preach myself happy today. Come on. So God gives us the Holy Spirit, I think, also because he knew this tension would exist. He knew there would be this struggle between us. And Paul wrote about it in another place. He said, I long to be in heaven, but it's better for you that I'm here. I want to be there, but I, I need to stay here. There's just this tension that exists in believers. right? And God, he's, he's giving us the Holy Spirit in this place. So, so what is our response then? He tells us in the next verse, he says, therefore, we are always confident. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm confident. We are always confident, and we know that as long as we're at home in this body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So we are confident, I say, and prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I don't know about y'all, but when it's my day to pass into eternity, I'll be ready to meet the Lord. Come on, somebody else. So, so what do we do in the meantime? Because I'm not just going to off myself so that I can meet the Lord. Like, what do I do in the meantime? He tells us in the next verse. So we make it our goal to make more money. We make it our goal to get a bigger house with the pool and the lanai. We make it our goal to become famous. We make it our goal to be, get, get a million Instagram followers. We make it our, our goal to be liked. We make it our goal so that everyone, we, everyone thinks we're so spiritual and we got it all together. No, that's not what he said. But how often do we live that way? We prioritize all these things in our lives. And here he says, no. We make it our goal, our one goal. Nothing else matters but to be pleasing to him. While we're waiting to be with him, we make it our goal, my passion, my driving force. The only thing I'm after is to be pleasing to him, it's to be pleasing to him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. So he's talking about this life because when we're at home in this body, we're here. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So in other words, life on this earth is about what we do for God and how we impact others with the love of God. Let me say that again because I don't think y'all heard what I said. Life on this earth is about what we do for God and how we impact others with the love of God. That's what life is about. Nothing else matters in this life. That's what life is all about. What we do now in this life affects eternity. We just read it. He said that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and, that we, and we all will, 
Every, all, we, we all will. When we stand in that place, there will be a judgment between everything that we've done, all the unseen, everything in our life, everything will be seen and evaluated. Everything will be weighed. In fact, I've got homework for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to go home and read that. It describes this process, this weighing out. God will evaluate everything we've done in this life. And some of it, he will, he will say, this was valuable to me. And he compares it to gold and precious jewels. And he says, these other things that aren't valuable, Valuable to him will pass through the fire and will be burned up like sticks and won't last. There are things in this life that we can do that God says these are valuable and these are not. And we don't get to decide what those things are. We don't get to be up there and be like, well, and try to talk him into it, try to twist his arm. I tried to live better than most. That's not the measuring stick. The measuring stick is his, his standard, is his word, is what he's given us. And so, man, like he's going to weigh the things and some is going to be good and some is going to be bad and we're going to receive either judgment or reward based on what we did in this life. So we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, but we're, we receive judgment based on our works, on how we lived in this life. So what do we do? How do we know what we're living for? And, and, and what, I want to stir up your spirit today. I want to stir you up in your faith today. How do we live a life for God? And how do we live a life to impact others with the love of God? As I was, I was thinking about it and praying about it, I wrote down a couple of key things. And I want to share them with you today of ways that we can begin to live for God, ways that we can live to impact others, the love of God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The first one is this, is make the most of every moment. Thank you for that one. Amen. Make the most of every moment because every moment you have is precious. Every moment you have is valuable. Uh, I, uh, I wonder what Kobe's goodbyes to his family would have been like if he would have known he was about to step into eternity. I wonder how different that would have been. I wonder what wouldn't have been so important in those moments and what would have been important if he would have known. But what if we just began to live that way where we make the most of every moment? See, sometimes um, we, we just, in our, in our humanness, because we're just people, right, we get our perception of time is different than God's perception of time. Right? We see time very linear, linearly, and we see time like we go through days and months and weeks and years, and it, life seems so long sometimes, right? It seems like it's a long time, but Scripture is telling us the opposite. Your life is just, just a vapor, just a moment. As I was thinking about it, it's like I got this bucket of sand right here. It's a 50-pound bag of sand that we put in there. And, you know, life sometimes seems like this, like a handful of sand. Like there's thousands and thousands of tiny little grains of sand in my hand right now, and life is that way sometimes. It seems like so much. If I were to sit down and try to count out all these grains of sand, it would take me a long time. It's so much, and there's so many things that we go through and conversations that we have and, and things that we're a part of and days and weeks and months and years and life and life and life goes on, and it seems like so much. But in God's view, when we compare it to eternity, Eternity is so much more than just what seems like so much to us. Eternity goes on forever. And our life on this earth is just this little much right here. 
And sometimes we get so involved in, in what we're going through. And even, even this week, I was so surprised that so many of the people that were posting such emotional uh, tributes to, you know, to this man, Kobe, that lived. And then the next day, they're right back to their normal things, their hamburgers and whatever else they're posting. And sometimes we, we live that way. We have a great moment with God. We have a great encounter. And then we go about our lives and nothing really changes. Yeah, Pastor, I'm going to make the most of every moment. And then tonight we get home and we're upset and we yell at our family. But what if we just begin to live this way? So how do we make the most of every moment? i got a couple things that I'm working on in my life. Making the most of every moment by loving your family. Love your family. Uh, tell them. Say the words, I love you. And say it all the time. I know in our family, every time we leave, every time we get off the phone, I love you. I uh, Love your family. Tell them. Don't just tell them, but also show them. What did, how did Jesus define love? He said, greater love is no one than the one that lays down his life for someone else. So biblical definition of love is, is putting someone else before your own needs. It's, so if I'm loving them, I, even when I want to have me time, when I want to do my own thing and they need my attention, guess what? I'm going to lay down my life for them. Even though if, if I want to do something, I'm going to lay down my life for somebody else. Love. I'm going to love them. Love, l love your spouse. Love your family. Love, love your mom and dad, even if you're a grown and you're a mom and dad. Love your mom and dad. Love your kids. Teach your kids to love. We live in a world that loves to hate. So teach them to love. Teach them to love people that hate them, to be kind to them. Teach them to forgive when someone hurts them. Teach them to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Teach them to repent. Teach them to serve. Teach them to give. Love your family. You can make the most of every moment by enjoying life. <laughs> you know, uh, just enjoy how blessed you are. God has blessed you. You know, you are a very blessed person. And so enjoy the blessings. Take the time to enjoy what God has given you. And thank him for it. God, thank you for blessing me so much. Thank you for the beautiful creation that you've put around us. Thank you for the sunrise and the sunset. Thank you, God, that we're blessed, that we can watch, you know, a, a movie that from, you know, or we can watch a, a sporting event from around the world or whatever it is. Like, take the vacations. Enjoy what God has given you. Have, live, 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 live that and enjoy the blessed life. Um, you know, my... My uh, daughter is 14. She's in eighth grade this year. Uh, Bella, she's serving as one of our junior leaders this morning. And, um, but she's going to be in high school in the fall, so I need y'all to pray for, pray for your boy because that's praise him. You know, she's got a couple years left, and then she's, you know, it, it's, it's crazy, the transitions in life. And I was talking with my friend Noah. Um, you saw him up here a few moments ago about this transition because he has three kids that are older than Bella, and so he's been through this. And so I was asking him, just sharing, you know, what I was going through, and he said, let me tell you something. He, and he said, take vacations with your family. Enjoy the time you have with your kids because you have it right now, and you might not later. And I just, I, I know he's in here somewhere, and I told him this at the first service, but I'm telling him again, thank you, my friend. And I, I'm making changes in my life, adjustments in my life to do that. Because I don't want to look back with regret. I don't want to look back with regret in my daughter's life. Because God has, the reality is as parents, God has entrusted us with our children to steward them. To raise them up to hear his voice. To raise them up to be able to run with perseverance their race that God has set out before then. Right? So it's, it's my responsibility to, in, to invest into her. 
and to raise her up. So uh, at the same time, can I just say this, even as we're enjoying life, like some people take that mentality and go way beyond with it, and everything gets out of order in their life. They take this enjoying of life, well, I better enjoy everything, and, and I gotta do this all the time, and they make their entire life about enjoyment, and vacations, and beach day, and all this kind of things, things that aren't bad, but then they make it their idol in their life because they put it ahead of God. They've gotten their life out of order, and now everything Everything revolves around that instead of everything revolving around God. That's a good place to say amen. I know that. It's true. It's the truth. And we just we have to just realize that as blessed as we are, as we enjoy life, everything stays in its proper place and God stays in his place. I, like I have time to serve because everything else can wait. I have time to be with my church family and worship on Sunday because everything else can wait. Like I have time because nothing else is going to be as important to me as my relationship with God and seeking him. Amen. All right. How do, we, how do we make the most of every moment? We love our family. We enjoy this life and we serve others freely. Serving others freely. I would say serving someone freely means serving someone who can do nothing for you in return. Just serving someone who can not pay you back just because you want to make their life, their experience better. Just serving someone else. Just freely giving of yourself. That's why Jesus came. He said the Son of Man came, or Jesus, he said he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And aren't you glad because you and I were part of the many that he gave his life for. He came to serve. So our lives should look the same way of serving others freely. So we're talking about ways to live for God, ways to live to impact others with the love of God. Right here's number two, if you're taking notes, is that we need to prepare for eternity. We need to prepare for it. Um, in other words, we should be living to prepare for eternity, both spiritually and naturally. And I, and I say naturally, um, I know... <laughs> I know it's uncomfortable to talk about death sometimes, uh, maybe even a little awkward, you know, like, hey, what did you guys talk about at church? We talked about death. <laughs> I understand this is an awkward subject, and a lot of people don't like talking about it, but I, it's okay. It's, it's faith-filled to talk about it. There's hope in it. We, we understand the process, and, and I just I say that we need to prepare naturally because I walked through in my life where that didn't take place, and the struggle, and the pain, and all the, and all the issues that it caused. So we prepare naturally for, for eternity. Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good person, another translation says, a righteous person, leaves an inheritance for their children's children. That's your grandbabies. Uh, maybe you don't have grandbabies right now. One day you will. Maybe you don't have babies right now. One day you'll have both. Praise the Lord. You'll get married, and then you'll have your babies, and then your grandbabies. And it'll be awesome. Um, but what, is, what an inheritance is something that you receive when a loved one steps into eternity, when they cease to exist on this earth, right? So he's given us instruction for this process to prepare naturally. Like, Don't leave your family hanging. Don't leave them holding the bag. Um, I, I think uh, part of the reason for him saying this is because two of the most expensive things you can do on this earth is get married and get buried. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just expensive. It's an expensive process. And so, you know, prepare for it naturally. There's lots of ways to go about that. I'm not getting into all that, but prepare for it. Do those things and then make a plan. Write it down. Communicate with your family. So don't leave things to chance communicate with your family about what you're playing and so that things are good and you know maybe you have little kids and you're like ah like like 
of course, at the appropriate age, at the appropriate seasons, don't freak your kids out. Mommy and daddy are going to die. <laughs> no, we're not freaking them out. We want to fill them with hope and with life about it. So I've I, I got to always give that disclaimer, okay? Don't leave things to chance. And as important as uh, preparing in the natural is, preparing spiritually is infinitely more important. Preparing for eternity. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, there's a story uh, of a young man. And I would just say that... That young man really is, includes everyone. Maybe you're young at heart. Maybe you're a millennial. Maybe you're midlife. Or maybe you're, you know, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, you know, maybe you go to the early bird dinners, you know. <laughs> you know whatever it is, this includes all of us. Jesus is there, and he's, he's just finished up his message. He spoke to the crowds of the people. And in verse 17, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees, and before him, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. So here's this young man running up to Jesus, asking a question that a lot of people are asking. How do I get to heaven? What about eternity? How, like, wh like, what's the path to get there? How do I get eternal life? Um, it's, it's, it's a great question. A lot of people are asking that and coming up with their own answers. Um, and by asking this question, like, what do I do? He's, he's understanding the connection between what I do now and eternity. That what I do right now affects those things. And so Jesus answered, and he said, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Don't give false witness. You don't defraud and honor your mother and father. Teacher, he said, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. Somebody needs to underline that line right there. Did you know that that's how Jesus is looking at you right now? He loves you. He loves you. He always has. He always will. You can't make him stop. He just loves you. Ah, oh, I love that. That's good. He said, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. So here's this guy. Evidently, Jesus is giving him the, the process. This is how you store up treasures in heaven. This is how you live for eternity. And he goes away sad. He must, he, he, he must have determined all the stuff I have is more valuable than treasure in heaven. Because he, he went away unwilling to prepare for eternity. It's, I don't think that Jesus is saying don't have anything and be, be without everything. Because in other verses, he says, I'm going to bless you with everything. I'm going to make you abundant. I'm going to give you so much you don't even have room to contain it all. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I can imagine a lot of ways to contain a lot of things. A lot, you know, like I can get a, a bank account that can hold a lot of money. Amen. All right. And God is saying, I'm going to bless you so much that you won't even be able to contain it all. So I don't think Jesus is just saying don't have anything. But what he's well, I believe that he's saying, he says, cut off your association, your attachment to everything this life could offer, because none of it really matters. None of it is going to last. But only what you do in this life for eternity will last. But this guy couldn't see it. He couldn't see beyond this life. He's trying to get us to wake up. Hey. What are you living for? What is your life all about? What are you living for? I don't know about y'all, but in my family, when we prepare to go on a trip, anybody been on a trip before, vacations, going somewhere? 
Man, the planning process is crazy. You know, planning where we're going to go. And then, you know, once you get there, you got to plan the flights, when to fly in, when to fly out. Got to get the hotels and transportation, rental cars. Then, then all of the process, where are we going to eat? What are we going to do on this day? And this day, what are the sites we're going to see? And all this kind of stuff. We got to save some money so that we can pay for this. How much does that cost? I got to have souvenir money and, and just fun money. And, and then, you know, then I got to plan for at work, make sure work is covered while I'm gone. Somebody's got to watch the pets and take care of the house. I got to mow the lawn. I don't get a letter from the HOA while I'm gone and all this stuff. There's all this planning that goes into everything that we do, vacations and all kinds of things. And yet so many people go throughout their life planning everything to the nth degree and fail to plan for the most important thing, and that's eternity. They fail to plan for that one day when they leave this earth and they're in eternity forever. We've got to plan for it, prepare for it. We've got to live now like we believe that one day we'll be there. That's why I say what we believe about eternity affects how we live now. It affects the way that we live now. I believe Jesus, he gives us the blueprint. Hey, detach from this life and live for eternity. He tells us again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's a pretty famous scripture and probably even just saying the reference, most of us can quote it. Maybe you even said it in your head. But I wonder how often we actually live this scripture out. It says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So here's the third one, ways that we can live for God is simply that. Live your life for God. Live your life for God. See, the most important thing we can do is to know God personally and live to share the love of God with others. The most important thing you can do in this life is know God personally and to live your life to pour his love out onto other people. There's a guy in the Bible, his name is Enoch. Most of us uh, uh, don't know a lot about Enoch because there's not a lot about him in the Bible. There's only a little bit, but what we do know, Hebrews 11 tells us that he lived for a time and then he was gone. God took him. I think God was giving us a picture of the rapture. It's like one moment he was there and beam me up, Scotty. He was gone. You know, he was there one moment and gone the next. But it says he was counted as a man who pleased God. He pleased God. Um, I, um, I went to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. I got my degree there. And um, the guy, Oral Roberts, the guy who started that uh, school there, he uh, grew up in the uh, 30s and 40s. And in the 40s, he started a ministry uh, it was a healing ministry. And if you don't know Oral Roberts, I encourage you to get on Google and find out about him. Amazing man. In, in this generation of time, I, I, most people consider him a general in the faith, a, a father in the faith. Uh, a great man. He had a great healing ministry that spanned 50 years. Um, they say that he, as he traveled the world that he personally laid his hands on and prayed for healing for over a million people. That's amazing. And he saw many miracles, many documented healings and all those kinds of things. But um, in the 60s, God spoke to him and called him to build a university. He said, build it on my authority and raise up your students to hear my voice and to go into every part of the world, the places where the light is dim, so that they can preach the gospel and do even greater things than I've called you to do. And that's exactly what he did. ORU started in the 60s and it's going strong and thousands and thousands of students have gone there and graduated from there and are all over the globe in this place. 
in all different sectors of life, uh, ministering, the healing, and the gospel. It's amazing, uh, his life and the legacy that he left. But um, as, uh, I, I was, as, as I graduated from college and I was working, um, he was about 94 or so, I believe, when he passed away and stepped into eternity. And I remember being at his funeral and person after person that spoke, spoke along the same lines is that Oral was a man that pleased God. Oral was a man that pleased God. It's amazing um, because as, as I look at myself sometimes, I don't know anybody else, but I just think sometimes like, how could I possibly please God? I'm so messed up sometimes. I got so many faults and things I need to work on. Anybody else or is it just me? That's okay. I got a few honest people in the house today. Praise him. And so it's just it's sometimes it's it's easy to think like yeah those bible those bible guys they they pleased god but can i just tell you you can live a life that pleases god you can live a life that pleases god one day it'll be said about my friend edwin edwin was a guy that pleased god ambar was a, a young lady that pleased god we can be people that pleases god and you don't need a theology degree to please god you don't need to go to seminary you don't need to have a million dollars in the bank you don't, uh, all that's required to please God is faith. In fact, scripture tells us Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible without faith. But God has given us all a measure of faith. He's given you a measure of faith. So you have what it takes to please God. That's so good. You have what it takes to live a life that pleases God. And you're like, well, I, I want to be more pleasing to him. Well, you need to build your faith. You need to strengthen your faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you want your faith to grow? You want to get your faith in the gym, do some curls? Like begin to hear the word of God. Begin. I, I love what my friend Noah shared. Begin, you know, like we can listen to anything. We can, like whatever, that's, that's great. But what if we just begin to feed our faith? We begin to put things inside of us. We begin to do some leg curls and some bench presses and some push-ups and, you know, and some, some sit-ups and all kinds of things with, with our faith and in our spirit. What happens is we begin to hear the word and as we, we begin to worship and as we begin to praise, the more that it begins to fed into us, then our faith begins to be strengthened. And then it's, it's like a snowball effect things begin to roll and then the word is being put inside of us and then it begins to affect the way that we think the way that we see situations the way that we see people it affects the decisions that we make it affects every area of our lives because our faith in God and his word is being strengthened the more that we put it inside of us so it's possible to please God so what does it mean to live for God to live for God means that it's a decision that I make to go where he tells me to go to give what he tells me to give, to say what he tells me to say, and do what he tells me to do. That's what it means to live for God. It's not about becoming a preacher or, or becoming a, a missionary. Sometimes people think, well, if I'm going to live for God, that means I need to, how do I get in the ministry? Like, listen, you are already in the ministry. The moment you receive Christ, you receive the ministry of reconciliation. That means it's our job as believers to help other people be reconciled or come into relationship with God. So you didn't know when you came to church today, but you are in the ministry. You are, Come on, somebody. I'm not the only one in the ministry. And sometimes people think, well, I got, no, like whatever field of study that God has gifted you in and called you into, you are in the ministry. And the, that, that's why it's, it, it all comes down to not what my title is or what I do, but do I know God and did I help people to know him? Do I know God for myself? Um, there was a point in my life um, where I, I struggled in this way. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 um, was kind of, a, it's a keystone verse in my life because 
Um, I grew up in church since a little guy. I was in children's church, and when I was too old for children's church, I became a junior leader, much like what we have here at Victory Now, and I served as a junior leader. When I was too old to be a junior leader, I served on the team and did all kinds of stuff. I was on the, the worship team as a college student and an adult and on all these kinds of things, but as I was coming from my the ending in high school into college, um, I was becoming religious. If I'm honest, I was just religious. I was I knew a lot about God, and I loved him, but I knew more about him than I did actually knowing him and spending time with him. I was becoming religious, and you can always tell the religious people because they get upset over things. You know, they're the ones that always want to point out everything, and they're critical of this and this and this and all, all that kind of stuff. So they're overly spiritual, and, and, and they say a lot of nice things, but then when they're corrected or they're asked to do something, then they get upset or offended or go somewhere else because whatever reason. I, I was becoming that. I was becoming overly religious. And um, I was in church one day, and my pastor was speaking, and he read this passage from Matthew 7. And honestly, I don't remember what his message was because this, this passage hit me so hard. And it was a keystone moment, a turning moment in my life. Jesus is speaking to the people, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven. but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And uh, every time I read that, I'm, I'm always amazed because he's descri- what he's describing, people who prophesy, speak the word of God, and, and do miracles and, and drive out demons, they sound really spiritual, don't they? They sound like amazing spiritual people doing great things, you know? They got notoriety. If you got somebody driving out demons and performing miracles and all this, those are the things that Jesus did, and people flocked to him, and, and there was crowds upon crowds upon crowds around him and all this kind of stuff, and they're, they're all... but. At the end of the day, Jesus says to them, he says, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. People know more about him than actually know him. They, they know how to quote scripture. They know how to say some good things. They, they know that, hey, I lift my hands in church. Uh, like they know some spiritual things, but do we really know him? Are we really spending time with him? And as I was praying through this this week, God was just speaking to me. And he just said, like, there's people in the church. This is what he, Jesus is talking about. People who profess to know Christ. People in church, maybe even this church, that, hey, you know more about God than you actually know him. And maybe things in your life have gotten stale. Like prayer life has gotten stagnant. Yeah, I prayed a couple times this week. I read my Bible when I have time. And the fire is dwindling out. The fire of passion for the Holy Spirit, for God and for his presence is dwindling out. And you know more about him. You're becoming overly religious and without really knowing him. And it's a call today. God is calling to you because he loves you so deeply. He loves you so desperately that he gave all that he had to get you back. And he's calling back to you today saying, hey, come on, come close, come close, come close. He's a gracious heavenly father. He's a loving father. He's calling us close to us. He's calling us close. And here, Paul's reminding us as we're reading this that eternity is for everyone. 
What if we just begin to live for eternity? What if we stop judging others? What if we begin to give love freely? What if we begin to raise up somebody else around us, make our life about pouring into somebody else because you can never exhaust your potential by helping someone else reach theirs. So what if we just begin to live a life that helped other people reach their potential, what God created them to do? Living, what are you living for? And, you know, I just, as, as we get ready to close today, you know, I just, just let that question roll around in your spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, what am I really living for? Can you be honest enough in a moment with the Holy Spirit to ask him that and then receive his answer? Because what we do in this life is gonna affect eternity. One day, we will all breathe our last breath. Our bodies will die and our spirits will slip into eternity. And we'll stand before him. Will your life, you know, our lives, if you've ever lost someone, you know that life continues on beyond just this earth. Like the effect of our lives continue on. So what is the effect our lives is gonna leave on other people? Are we building bridges? Are we burning them down? Are we pointing people to Christ? Are we pointing people to ourselves? Our, our legacy will continue. And as we prepare for eternity, as your heart is stirred today, just ask the Holy Spirit this question, where have I become so attached to things of this life that I can't see what you have for me, that, I, that I've lost sight of eternity? And just begin to allow him to cut the attachments off of those things whatever they are the jobs the promotions the the hobbies the 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 desires even the plans you laid out for your life the the all all those things that don't matter and won't last say god my desire is to be pleasing to you all just all across this room let's just jump to our feet and just begin to stir your spirit up begin to pray father i thank you that you're moving in this place today god i ask that you would speak to every heart speak to every mind awaken us in our spirit Awaken us to the world around us. Awaken us to not be okay, not be okay with people around us stepping into eternity, not knowing you, not being okay just being on the outskirts, not being okay just having some head knowledge and, and knowing about you. But God, we want to know you deeply, God. We want to be pleasing to you, God. <laughs>